Stop it, John. <laughs> Yesterday at the men's breakfast, he asked me if I needed him to hold my plate. I'm independent. I can do it. It just takes me longer. Uh, it's good to be in God's house today, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. It's so good to be here. And, uh, yeah, when, when Taryn was, was listing all the people that were gone, I was like, I wonder if she's going to mention my left arm. Um, but I'm glad that I'm glad it worked out. Thanks for being patient. There's only one time that I messed things up. So, um, and most of the time, none of you guys even notice anyway. So, but now I'm outed. So, um, a little bit about me. If you don't know me, um, I've been a part of this church for quite a while. I've been coming here for 12 years as an adult. Um, after converting to faith in Christ, you can go ahead and sit down. Thank you for standing, though. That's the real church, folks. They stand until they're asked to sit down. Um, but I've been coming here um, for 12 years, since, since I was 21. I'm 33 now. But my grandfather um, was the founding pastor of this church. So really, I've been coming here for, since the church existed, which is probably coming up on 30 years, right, Randy? Roughly? Coming, it's like, if it's not there, it's close. I don't remember. I was just like one of the little rugrats causing problems um, at that point in my life. So, uh, but... You know, I want to talk to you today, well, first of all, can you guys give a hand clap for your pastors while they're on vacation? I would too. I would too, but it's kind of tough. Um, <laughs> but I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here and to speak with you guys while they're off resting and recuperating to bring the word because they've so faithfully brought the word these last many, many years, these at least 12, right? Since I started coming here, they've been my pastors as an adult. So, um, but I want to talk to you today about something that if you missed Randy's 9.30, 9.45 a.m. service this morning, if you missed that, go back on YouTube and watch it if it's recorded. I don't know that it is or not this week, but man, it was really good. He was one, he was one book off. He's in Mark 2, I'm in John 2, so at least we didn't didn't converge there. But I want to talk to you about feeling empty. You ever feel empty? I feel empty sometimes, a lot of times. Randy talked about being tired today during the 945. You ever feel empty? Like you're just struggling to get by with more? You know, like, like I can't take one more thing. I'm not strong enough. I'm, I'm one-handed. You ever feel empty? You ever feel tired? You ever feel weak? We all do. We all feel empty. Sometimes that emptiness can isolate us and make us feel alone. You ever felt alone in your emptiness? Like there's this tension between who you think people need you to be. That's the dad. That's the mom. That's the worker, right? That's the, that's the manager. That's the director. That's the pastor. That's the pastor's wife. That's the ministry leader. That's the Christian. That's the tough one, that last one there. You ever feel like you can't quite match up to what people think about you? You ever feel like there's a gap that you have no grace for yourself in? You tired of feeling empty? There's this emptiness that's common to all of us. 
It's just normal. It's normal to feel empty sometimes. It's normal to feel the weight of that gap. But don't let it isolate you. Don't let it make you feel alone. Don't let, don't, don't let, it, make it, don't let it make it heavier than it needs to be. Because I know somebody that can fill you up. If you would, open your Bibles or open your Bible app or enjoy it on the Sky Bible at your convenience. We're going to open to the Gospel of John. So that's the New Testament, fourth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and chapter 2. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a minute, say, I need a minute. All right, we'll wait for you. God was gracious with me. We'll be gracious with you. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, starting at verse 1. This is a super ultra. If you've been coming to church for a while, you've heard this preached before. You've heard it preached about multiple times from multiple different angles before. Something about the pots. Something about the water and the wine. You've heard it. You've heard it. Um, But I feel like, at least for me, God has given me fresh manna for today on this one. So let's start at verse number one, because I believe God has a prescription today for our emptiness. The next day, everybody say the next day. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. His mom was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. It's not, I mean, I love my mom. I'm blessed to have my mom here today. Can you guys clap for my mom really quick? She's really cool. She is a really cool lady. You can embarrass her and talk to her after this. Parties are not quite the same when you go with your mom. Can we just get that out there right now? I know it's a wedding and everything, but it's like not quite the same. Like you can't really, you know, like get quite as turned up as you may be if your mom wasn't there. Jesus and his (laughs) disciples, it's probably good for you. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. So Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Everybody say invited. They were invited to the celebration. That's how you know Jesus was cool. He got invited to the celebration. You don't have to be lame to be a Christian, right? Amen? The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him. Everybody say told. Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Now, why does that matter? Because in the grand scheme of things, right, Jesus is kind of an important guy. He's got this big ministry that's about to kick off. It hasn't yet. But why does that matter? It's sh- this is the, the Jewish culture at the time, and to some degree still, is a very honor-shame culture. Think about what would <laughs> Think about what, what we would say if somebody's food or, or if they ran out of something at a wedding, if they ran out of wine at a wedding. You don't forget that. It'd be like, oh, man, Paul and Katie's wedding, they ran out of potatoes. I don't know. Um, but they ran out of something. You don't forget. They ran out of food. There wasn't enough food for everybody. We don't forget that. Except for in this context, it would bring with it, like, not like, ha-ha, you know, Katie and Paul ran out of food at their wedding, it would, br- it would bring a degree of shame. They weren't prepared for us. 
it would be embarrassing, right? So it matters not in the kingdom sense, not to Jesus' ministry, but Jesus was invited to a wedding and he showed up. Not because he had to, but because he cares. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. The fear of shame or the fear of being embarrassed, the fear of having somebody know, discover your emptiness. You ever been there? You ever been afraid of that? Does it matter to the kingdom? Does it, is, does it affect God's plan if you're embarrassed? Well, no, not really. Right? I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter to Jesus' ministry or to God's work if you get embarrassed once in a while. But it's this deep need. Not a physical need, not we're going to run out of money and we're not going to be able to help people need, but it's a need. It's an emotional need. I need you to help me, Jesus, so that my friends won't be ashamed. I don't want to mark on this family because we're involved with them somehow. We don't know how they were involved, but I don't want this couple to be ashamed going into this marriage. Jesus, they've run out of wine. So, Jesus does what any good son would do. He says in verse 4, Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. You ever had your mom tell you to do the dishes? Yeah, how'd that go for you? It's not my problem. The dishes aren't my problem. I remember, I don't mean to embarrass my mom, but I remember I was probably in between, I have four daughters, Evelyn, Sarah, Lillian, and mm, the really troublesome one over there, Natalie. Um, I was probably in between Evelyn and Sarah's age. So in between 8 and 11, I remember I learned the word menial. Okay, are you guys preparing yourselves for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here it comes, batting down the hatches. I remember saying to my mom, and she probably doesn't even remember this, I don't know why you guys ask me to do menial tasks all the time. Yeah, it was a good talk. It was a really good talk. It was really, really productive for my soul. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother, Katie does the slow blink. That's her move. She's, I don't know if you could see that through my glasses with the lights, but that's when you know you better do it. But his mother told the servants with a slow blink after she gets done closing her eyes at Jesus and turning to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Everybody say that. Do whatever he tells you. All right. We're most of the way through this. We're almost there. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instruction. 
When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. And then when everybody has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And I have to switch hands so I can take a drink of water. Let's pray really quick before we get into what I want to say. Thank you, Father, for being here and being present with us. God, I ask that you would speak today and that what you have to say would land in us, especially in me, so that we could be changed and become stronger and closer in relationship with you. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So this emptiness problem, right? This emptiness problem, that's what I've heard. I've been, I've, I've been going to church for a long time. I walked away from God, but I've been going to church since I was born all the way till now. Took a couple year gap. I took a gap year in my late teens, into my 20s, gap years. But I've heard this talked about a lot. It's always about the jars. It's always about, it's always about him changing your water into wine. It's always something about that. But I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about Mary. Ever thought about Mary in this story? We kind, of, we kind of read past her to get to the good part. But there's this need. There's this, this tension at the wedding. There's this anxiety of, they've run out of wine. Like, what are we going to do? We've got to solve this problem. Now, what do you do or what do I do in this situation? I can tell you exactly what we would do. Jesus, I'm going to need you to run down to the liquor store. I'm going to need you to buy as many boxes of wine as they have. Just boxes, as many boxes as you can get. Get a whole, a whole pallet, right? That's what we would do. Let me tell you how I need you to fix this problem, Jesus. Here's the solution. Here's my plan. My brother is going to come with you. I'll give him my wallet, and he's going to, and you guys are going to buy, and then you can fix this. I want you to go check at the neighbors, right? All of your little lists of possible solutions to this problem. Let me tell you how you can fix this, Jesus. You ever do that? I do that. I do it all the time. All the time. That's how you know you're creative, right? Because you're like endlessly staying up at night creating scenarios in your head of how this could go. Here's how you can solve it, God. This is what you're going to do. This is, I could really see you doing this, God, because that would really work out well for me, and I would appreciate that. So let's go with option A, not with something more painful that's going to prune me. I, let's go with the easy route. That would be perfect. So if you could just run down and buy the boxes, that would be perfect. Because my plan doesn't require any faith. It doesn't require any belief. Here's how I want you to do it, God. If you could really come through and if somebody could just, you know, because I'm in financial hardship right now, if somebody could just give me a bunch of money. I mean, if you guys are, I mean, if you guys are up for a love offering, that's cool, right? But, but you see what I'm saying? We, we come up with situations of the way that he can, the way that he can bail us out. This works both directions, positive or negative, Right? You think of all the ways that things could go wrong, too. 
But we end up trying to give God like a recipe out of our recipe book for how he can fix our situation. And I want to talk about Mary, because what does she do? Exactly what you should do. Exactly what I should do. Jesus, I'm empty. I've run out of wine. I have nothing left. We're out. I'm embarrassed. I don't want people to know. I don't even want to talk to you about it, really. But here I am. Here's the need. No seven-point plan, no projections for 2024, nothing. Jesus, here's my need. That's hard. That's hard to do. Why? Because you have no control. None. Zero when you do this. No control. Jesus, here's my need. Help me. I've run out of wine. I've run out of energy. I've run out of patience. I've run out of grace. I'm out of the job. I feel like I'm out of love. Whatever it is, I'm on empty. I have nothing left. The car has shut off. I'm empty. So Mary says to Jesus, they've run out of wine. When you bring a need to God, this will bring me to my first point, so I gave it to Elena. Don't, don't. Everybody say don't. Don't manipulate the miracle. Don't manipulate the miracle. Don't manipulate the miracle. Quit trying to come up with a plan. It's good to be a planner. I'm proud of you for planning. You can plan for you. Stop trying to plan for God. He doesn't need your help. He really does it because his plan is better anyway. How many times have you seen, raise your hand if you've tried to come up with a plan in the past and God has done a better one. You would think with his track record that you would trust him by now. How many times does it have to happen? Right? But we do that because we like control. We like to be in charge. We like to feel safe and secure. And our plan requires no trust. That's the truth of the matter. It's hard to trust. People let us down. Your family members let you down. Your kids let you down. Your parents let you down. Your friends let you down. Your coworkers let you down. Traffic cops let you down. Everybody lets you down. The DMV office lets you down. People let us down. And so we end up sort of like conveying this mistrust to God too. Not on purpose. It's not like you're maliciously untrusting. It's not, we don't do it on purpose. And I'm not saying that you do. And I'm not saying that I do. But we end up doing it because it's hard to trust. Where does trust come from? Relationship. I trust, I've been married to my beautiful wife. If, her, if we were talking about spiritual fruit this morning, hers would be a pepper. I think peppers are technically fruit. Because she's hot. All the guys that just clapped, I have one arm, but I'm still going to meet you in the parking lot after church. 
But this, this, this trust, it comes from relationship. I trust Katie now way more than I did when I first met her, more than when I fell in love with her, more than when we got married, more than two years into our marriage, more than five years into our marriage, more than eight years into our marriage, more than 10 years into our marriage. Because time builds relationship and relationship builds trust. If I say, Katie, I need you to help me in this situation, I can trust that she's going to do it. I know that she cares about me because her track record is too strong. There's too much, there's too much history. I have faith in her. And Mary has faith in Jesus. What's really interesting is we think of her as Jesus' mom, but she's not really approaching Jesus as Jesus, her son. She's approaching Jesus as the son. And you have the ability to do that too. You can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You have access. You have the same access to Jesus as Jesus, Son of God, your Savior, who died for you on the cross. You have access, complete and total access to him, just like Mary did, to be able to say, Jesus, I've run out of, I've run out of wine. I don't have any more. I'm too tired. I can't keep going. You have access. Don't manipulate the miracle. Don't come up with a plan. Just present the need and trust him to do it. Present the need and trust him to do it. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants. This would be point number two. Do whatever he tells you. I've never seen this passage of scripture this way before. I've never thought of it through this lens. The faith of Mary to say, we don't have anything else. And then to look at the servants and say, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. Can I give you a recipe? Are you ready for your spiritual cookbook that I mentioned earlier, your recipe box? Open it up. I just want you to use my little stamp on it that says from the kitchen of Paul Weisbrod. Ingredient number one, don't manipulate the miracle. Don't try to come up with one of your own. God doesn't need one from you. Don't manipulate the miracle. Ingredient number two, do whatever he says. Just do what he says. You need a miracle? Raise your hand if you need a miracle in your life. Most of us. Step number one, don't try to come up with one on your own. Step number two, just do what he tells you to do. If he tells you to wait, wait. If he tells you to be patient, be patient. If he tells you to worship him, worship him. If he tells you to praise him, praise him. If he tells you that it's not for you, be okay with that. That's hard. That's hard medicine because this isn't a seven-point plan on how to get closer to God and to get his will in your life and to unlock the blessings of heaven. Like, I don't have that for you. And you don't need it because you have Jesus. And he's more than, he's more than all of that. He's more than any plan. He's more than any program. He's more than any 12-week Bible study. He's more. All you have to do is present the need to him. God, I'm out of wine in this situation in my life. And then look at yourself in the mirror, because Mary's not there for you, and say, do whatever he says. Just do what he says. 
do whatever he tells you to do. Everybody say he, not me. He, not me. Do what he says, not what you say. Do whatever he tells you to do. So these water jars that we've all heard about, (laughs) I've heard a lot of messages on this. And I think a lot of people are really looking for some meaning, some really deep, you know, something juicy like, man, I studied Greek for like 17 years, so I got something deep. I mean, it's so deep. It's deep. I mean, it's really deep on these. I have a theory on why he used these big washing jars. Are you ready? It's because they were there. They were there. They were there. They were available. They were available to be filled. They were available. They were there. They were big. 20 to 30 gallons a piece. That's a lot of wine. I mean, that is a lot of wine. That's a lot. It's a lot. So they were big. They were capable. They're there. They're available. They're big. They're capable. And they're empty. So they're fillable. You need a miracle in your life? Just be there. Be capable. Be capable of doing what God says. And just be fillable. That's the hardest part. It's really hard to get filled by God if you're full of yourself. Soup is, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to be filled by God if you're full of yourself. There's no room. Is there room for God in your plan, your seven-point plan on how God's going to bail you out of the situation you're in? Is there room for him? Does he have a say? Does he have a say? Don't manipulate the miracle. Do whatever he tells you. So these water jars are there. Jesus is by these servants. He looks at the empty jars. looks at the servants. Fill us up with water. Can you imagine being one of those guys? We're going to wash our hands? That's what they're for. It's for washing your hands before you eat. Washing your, you know, using the water to wash your feet when you come in off the streets. It's like the hand washing station. Okay, so they fill them up. They draw these buckets. When the jars had been filled, he said, verse number eight, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Does it say the servants believed that he did something? Does it say that they presented faith or that they sang a song or that they had a praise break? That there was an altar call before they started filling these pots? So they followed his instructions. I think a lot of us have a hard time discerning sometimes what God's will is for us. What his plan is that he wants to follow. 
The hack is that he sounds a lot like this book. I mean, he does. It's his word, right? He sounds a lot like that when he speaks to you directly. I've been saying this up here for as long as I've been up here and in young adults as long as I've been over that. We're designed to hear from God just like we're designed to breathe. We're made in his image, so we're made to be able to talk to him. But he sounds like this, not like anxiety, not like worry, not like fear, not like depression, not like addiction. He doesn't sound like any of that. He sounds like this. So they listen to his instructions. They dip up the water into the, they pull it up with buckets first, put it in these jars. It takes a while to fill hundreds of gallons of water. It's not a five-minute job the whole time. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. I'd be like, this is so dumb. I don't know why we're doing this. What does this have to do with more wine? Why am I drawing water? You like me? Maybe you're not like me. You guys are more spiritual. But complaint, I, I mean, internally, right? It's kind of like I don't swear out, out loud. I don't complain about God's will verbally. Can you imagine drawing this water up? This is so dumb. What? Who is this guy anyway? Right? He hasn't done any. You have to remember he hasn't done anything yet. There's eight miracles in the book of John. That's less than any of the other gospels. Six of them are only in this book. Written down by a man who had one goal, which was to prove who Jesus was. To prove that he is who he says he is, which is God. Okay? So this is the first miracle in the book of John a book written specifically to prove who Jesus is. That was his whole goal in what he wrote down. This is unique to the book of John. So why did he write this down? Jesus could have done this any way he wanted to. Think about it. He did all kinds of miracles. Randy talked about him healing someone who was paralyzed this morning. There's so many. He healed a blind guy with spit, dirt, mud. Gross. He could have done it any way he wanted to. He could have snapped his fingers or said the word wine and every empty glass in the whole place could have been filled. But he didn't. Instead, he chose to work through the faith of a woman who also happened to be his mom and the obedience of some servants that nobody knows. We don't know their names. It doesn't take big faith. It doesn't take big praise. It doesn't take big words or big songs or big actions. It doesn't take something big to be obedient. This is what Christianity looks like. What are you doing on Tuesday morning? Who are you with on Thursday night? It doesn't matter if you're here or not. Is Jesus with you? Are you doing what he says? Do you need a miracle? Do what he says. So many of us are looking for the next word from God. What have you done with the last one he gave you? I'll raise... That's me. Well, I mean, God, I mean, that <laughs> seems a little extreme, don't you think? I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that. Seems risky. Well, yeah. We're dipping up water here. Your job is to draw the water. My job is to change it into wine. Fill the buckets, fill the jars, dip it into cups. Do what he says. If you need a miracle, start with being obedient. 
Not because it's always fun, because I don't think it is. It certainly hasn't been in my life. God's bruised my ego more than once, and he's going to do it again. He will. He said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies, as if filling these big giant things of water used for hand washing wasn't bad enough. Like, okay, great, now everybody's going to be able to clean their hands, Jesus. Thanks. Everybody's just going to go home clean and tidy and sober. And, and the, the Jewish people were not about that life, okay? That's all I'm saying. But then he says, well, dip some out and put it in the cups. Bring some to the most important person in the room. Can you imagine? Like, let's draw straws. Who's going to be the guy that walks down the center aisle to the person in charge? I don't want to do it. Can you imagine? Walking with your cups full of water? Who wants to be known as the servant who brought the dirty jar water used for hand washing to the master of the feast and in honor-shame culture. But your plan doesn't require any faith. Your plan doesn't require any trust. But his plan does because he could have done it any way he wanted to. That's the key. That's the cheat code. That's the hack. If God's asking you to do something that seems a little bit ridiculous, it's so that he can fill the gap. Because it's his job to do the miracle, it's your job to just hang with him in the middle while you're filling the water jugs, while you're dipping the water into the cups, and while you're walking with your hands shaking all the way up to the master. You don't have to be loud or be bold or be brave to do this. You don't have to be exciting or extravagant to do something amazing for God. You only need to be obedient. It doesn't say that they did anything exciting. They just carried the water in the cups to everybody expecting something else. And we don't know when it changed into wine because it doesn't say. But I have a feeling because I know God and I've seen him act a lot of times in my life, that it was in between the point when that servant took that cup full of dirty water and handed it to the person who was expecting it to be wine. Because miracles happen in the middle of obedience. Don't ask God for more blessings when you're not being obedient to him. We need to be obedient with the last word, not ask for the next one. And if the last word is fill those water jugs up, okay, let's get another bucket and keep filling them until they're full or he tells you to stop. If that word is fill up the cups and start distributing them, start dipping it out, start carrying trays and do it until they're all dispersed or until God tells you to stop. Because your miracle is going to happen in the middle of your obedience. And this isn't about performance. This isn't about how good of a person you are or how good your track record is. 
God is only asking you to be obedient in what he's asking you about right now. He's not asking you to be somebody else or to be the best super Christian that you can be. You don't have to be a super Christian to be obedient. When your mom asks you to wash the dishes, you don't have to do it with a good attitude. <laughs> All the parents are just clapping super loud. You don't have to do it with a good attitude. Yeah, exactly. Just make sure they get done. They better be done. Because you're in there grumbling, right? These stupid dishes. I hate oh, my parents are the worst. What'd you say? Nothing. Scrub, 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 scrub. If you can't do God's word for you, if you can't do the last step he's given you, if you can't do it bold, do it scared. If you can't do it bold, do it scared. If you can't do it bold, do it scared. Just do it. Just do it. Like Bradley in all Nike all the time, day and night, night and day. Let Nike arise. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Everything's always hard to do until you start doing it. Always. It's always scary until you start. You're more terrified of the act of being the person carrying that water tray until you start doing it. Once you start doing it, it's kind of like it's half over, right? So just do it. I encourage you today, just do it. I don't know what God's word for you is. And meter it out through scripture. But just do it. Just do it. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from. Though, of course, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. And then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Are you tired of the cheap stuff in life? Are you tired of consuming what's a less expensive copy of what God has for you? Then don't manipulate the miracle. Just stop trying. And that's so hard. My grandfather, who was very wise, once I was really, really struggling with a major life decision that would impact my family. It was geographical, right? Like, where are we going to live? Because I wanted a job that I didn't have yet. They ended up giving that job to somebody else. But I just knew that that was what God had for us. And he said, if you like the area, move there. You're never going to win a tug-of-war with God to make him do your will. And this is what he said to me that I'll never forget. Let go of the rope. Just let go of the rope. Just let go. Let go of the illusion of control. Because you're never going to be able to put a bridle on God and make him go the direction you want. You can't. We can't. And our plan would be worse anyway. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. That's what we do. We serve the good stuff first. We give people our best face. 
we don't want them to see what's inside. We don't want them to know the real us. That empty us. The cheap me. We don't want them to see that part because that would be shameful. Brian, if you could come up here, I'm, I'm just about done. The door was open when I said that, so hopefully he heard me. But you've kept the best until now. No, other Brian. Brian that plays guitar. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. But you've kept the best until now. If you need a miracle, I think you're going to find it today in the middle of scared obedience. I know that's where I've always found mine. Sometimes it's scarier than others. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's great to live for God and to do his will and to follow his word. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's scary. And sometimes we have to do it with our hands trembling. Sometimes we have to do it when our knees feel weak. Sometimes that tray feels too heavy. Sometimes you've been damaged and you've got to do it with one arm. But if you need a miracle, just do what he says. What does he say to do? Here's what I know he says to do. Here's what I know that the only one who can fill that emptiness inside your life says to do. He's not your friend. He's not some guy that you know that can help solve your problem. He's not another program. He's not a payday advance loan. He says that all he requires from you is trust. Trust that he's enough. Trust that he can do it, that he can meet that need. And that need is dealing with the sin in your life. Let's stand. And as he deals with that sin in our life, how does he do that? Well, he does that by us accepting what he did. By believing that he is who he says he is and trusting him with the result. Because I don't know about you, but I get awfully tired of trying to deal with my own stuff and coming up with plans on how to deal with my sin, and coming up with plans on how I'm going to break an addiction, or how I'm going to get rid of some stronghold in my heart. But there is one. There is one that can do it. And his plan is only to trust him. Present the need, and trust him that he can do it. If you could all close your eyes. If you have a need today, a deep need, maybe that not everybody knows about, maybe not even your loved ones, the closest ones to you know about. But if you have a deep need, I would just ask you to raise your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. You're worth the wait. I just want to pray for you today and have you receive this. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would move through these people that have presented their needs to you today, God. That you would help them 
to trust you with the result and that they would be willing and able, that you would give them the strength to follow your word in this situation that is turning them inside out. God, I ask that you would move on their behalf and that you would change that water that you're asking them to draw up into wine. That you would change everything about who they are in an instant, God. That you would turn this situation around. That you would give them the best that you could have. More than they ever dreamed. Not this cheap imitation that they've been living with and hiding behind. That you would move in and through their lives, God. And that you would present them as the very best. Amen. 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 This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. If you want to believe God more, if you want to know what he sounds like more, take the first step and do the last thing he told you to do. I'm so proud of all of you today for being here. And I know that he's proud of you as well. You are blessed, you are loved, you are highly favored. And I'm glad to be doing this with you. Give yourselves a hand. Thank you for attending Spirit of Grace Church today. I encourage you to come back. The saying at this church is the first time you come, you can be a guest if you want, but the second time, you're family. So we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.